You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church is located in Camas, Washington. You can find out more about us at www.axecamas.org. Check out our other sermons and podcasts. You can find them on iTunes Podcasts, SoundCloud, and our website. This sermon was preached by Pastor David Robinson, who is the teaching pastor at Axe Church. We hope you enjoy the sermon, and we hope that the Lord blesses you through it. How bad was a living nightmare. I could not fall asleep for two weeks straight. Even sleeping pills could not calm the adrenaline and knock me out, which only made things worse. At night, I was terrified of the quiet, knowing I was in for another all-night battle with insomnia that I was likely to lose. The sunrise also terrified me, an unwelcome reminder that another day of impossible struggle was ahead of me. I lost nearly 35 pounds in two months. I could not concentrate in conversations with people. I found no comfort in God's promises from Scripture. I was unable to pray anything but help. Please end this. This is a pastor by the name of Scott Sauls, and he's describing here one of his journeys through anxiety at a particular time in his life. And I wonder how many of you have ever been afraid of the end of the day because you were not looking forward to the fact that you knew you would just have to battle to try to get some sleep that night, that you'd be battling with your mind. How many of you have woken up and right out of the gate been in anxiety and fear and felt completely broken before your day even started? For many of us, that's a reality that we've dealt with. Some of us have tossed and turned in our mind and been wrestling, trying to put on this face of like, I'm fine, or I'm okay, or I'm strong, but inside we're just wrestling with fear and doubt or shame or whatever it is, and we're just broken. I've had those. I've had those nights where sleep was hard to find and those mornings that sometimes were worse. I've dealt with all of that. I've been so locked inside my own head with fear and trembling that I didn't know what to do. I have been so helpless and so afraid that I've just cried out to God the only thing I could, just help, please help. I've been there. Maybe some of you have been there. I'm preaching to myself today. Some of you are like, that's kind of awkward. Should we leave or if you're gonna do this here? Don't leave, it's okay. Because I'm preaching to you too. Um, We need to be listening to the Holy Spirit today. We need to try to hear his voice because anxiety, depression, fear, sadness, these types of things are ravaging the world. They're ravaging the world. According to the National Institute for Mental Health, from ages 18 to 59, the percentage of people with mild to severe anxiety disorders, okay, not just normal anxiety, which I think everybody has some of, at different levels. I'm talking about anxiety disorders, okay? Medical disorders. Was between a little less than 21 to a little less than 23%. More than one in five people have actual anxiety disorders, okay? Interestingly, although still high, over 60 years old, the percentage drops down to 9%, which is very interesting. Apparently, when you're 60, you're like, whatever, right? (laughs) I was worried about all that stuff, but it's all, yeah, whatever, right? You can see in the way they drive, right? I mean, they're just like, I don't, well, come on. It's a joke. But seriously, you know, the way they back out of the driveway, it's just like, I'm going, right? You, whatever's going on back there, they'll figure it out, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, less anxiety. Hey, I love it. It's great. You have less anxiety. Um, although still almost 10% of people over 60, so... Um, among teenagers, and this is important because it tells us whether things are getting better or worse. Among teenagers, the percentage is from a little over 31 to a little over 32%. Almost a third of our teenagers are suffering with anxiety disorders. I'm not talking about just anxiety. I think probably all of them deal with anxiety, okay, which is also very serious. But I'm talking about anxiety disorders. Almost one in three suffer from anxiety disorders, That's a very serious thing. If anxiety is not something that you deal with yourself and you're thinking, this sermon series maybe doesn't really hit me where I am, 
I kind of just drive, whatever the case is, right? Um, you're kind of that person. Let me just tell you, somebody that you love, somebody that you know has an anxiety disorder. By the statistics, a good number of people in this room do. A good number of people in this room do, and so understanding is important. Only 30.3% of people, adults, report flossing daily, okay? So you're more likely to run into a teenager with an anxiety disorder than an adult who flosses every day. Keep that in mind. You're all like, oh, we floss. No, 70% of you don't, okay? <laughs> the numbers don't lie. Try to pretend like you all floss. I can smell from here. It doesn't matter. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, this is a problem, guys. And it doesn't just affect people in the world. This affects Christ followers. It affects everybody. It affects everybody. The nice thing is that although anxiety can be crippling and difficult, whether it's a disorder, whether it's just worry and stress and whatever in your life or going through difficult times, believers have an answer for it. Scripture has an answer for it, for how to deal with it, for how to walk through it. Now, it seems to me like whenever I preach about whatever the topic is, it seems like whatever that thing is, it hits me super hard, right? So if I preach about patience, then during that week, some of y'all are going to try my patience, right? Like more than usual. You know who you are, okay? I wrote down a list of names, but I've decided not to read it. <clears throat> if I preach on giving, right, then I'm going to all of a sudden feel like I really need to be much more generous and give more. And some of you are like, you never preach on giving. Yeah, I can't afford to, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. I do preach on giving. Give, okay? That's my preaching on giving today. Do what you're supposed to do. All right. I think next week, um, because, well, let's put it this way. This anxiety two weeks, definitely I've been hit with more of it, right? And I think God, I need to be, I guess, because I need to, to be close to it, to be able to do it. But it's definitely, when I try to preach on something like this, it's going to hit me that much harder. So next week, uh, we're going to be doing a series on taking a private jet to Hawaii. <laughs> we're just going to see what happens. Um, we're going to see what happens. <laughs> God's been gracious, even though I've been dealing with some extra anxiety this week and, and even last night and like right up to now. Um, I've struggled with, a long, uh, I struggled with it for a long time, mostly victoriously in the power of the Holy Spirit, but seriously, not small. I'm not talking about some little thing like, oh, I get worried sometimes, okay? And, I've, and God has shown me how to get through it, and he's walked me through it. And so today we're going to walk through the biblical solution to both anxiety itself, just in general, fear, even maybe some depression, things like that, and even anxiety disorders, okay? Um, for those of you who, who suffer with real medical anxiety disorders, what we're talking about today is not a replacement for the possibility that you may need medication for that, okay? And I know there are people who think, well, if I take medication, that shows I don't really trust God, or that I'm really weak, or something like that. Let me just explain something to you. Um, anxiety disorders are a physical condition. For those of you who don't know, anxiety disorders are a physical condition. It has to do with the way that your brain produces certain chemicals. And if they don't produce them right, then you deal with an anxiety disorder. Now, it may manifest itself in certain thoughts and things like that, but the truth is it's a physical condition. And like any other physical condition, if a good doctor properly and thoughtfully prescribes you medication, there is nothing wrong with taking it. The only reason you wouldn't take it is if you also wouldn't take an aspirin if you had a headache or if you wouldn't put a Band-Aid on if you were bleeding, okay? Because if you would do those things to take care of your physical body, then taking medication that's properly prescribed is fine, okay? And this is what I'm going to talk about today. is not a replacement for that. It's, it's the other side of it because even when you take medication or whatever, it doesn't deal with the heart issue, which is that we all struggle with anxiety at some level. Okay, we all struggle with these kinds of thoughts. Okay? I take medication, I take my pills today. I'm not ashamed of that. I don't care. Okay? It, it, it's, like, it's like treating cholesterol or whatever. But I can tell you right now, by itself, they're not magic. We still have to walk through the anxiety that we deal with. Okay? So here's the basics of how we combat anxiety. Okay? Two things. Truth and trust. Truth and trust. Those are the things we're going to walk through today. There's a doctor, Dr. Christian Ati. I, I don't know if that's how you pronounce the name, but Christian Ati writes in the journal Dialogues in Clinical Neuroscience. That's the name of the journal. And, they, and, and, and says this, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy 
is considered the gold standard in the psychotherapeutic treatment of anxiety disorders. Okay? Cognitive behavioral therapy is considered the gold standard in the psychotherapeutic treatment of anxiety disorders. Let me tell you what I love about this church. I just quoted from Dialogues in Clinical Neuroscience, a journal, and used words like psychotherapeutic, and no one's like, this is weird. Like, everybody's like, yeah, that's cool. Let's talk about that. I love that. I love that about us. Um, <laughs> seriously. They're like, let's do it. Let's talk about cognitive behavioral therapy. All right. Cognitive behavioral therapy may sound fancy, but let me tell you what it is, okay? It's just a fancy way of describing a counseling method. And you know what that counseling method is? Telling people the truth. That's it. Helping people to live in truth. You, you, you identify the thoughts that are causing depression or anxiety or difficulty, and you tell yourself the truth to those things, to those fears, uh, the depression, the difficulty. And some of you are thinking, we pay counselors to do that? I can do that. And you're right, you probably could. Um, but yes, we do pay them. We also pay a dollar for 20 ounces of water that they filled up from the hose in the back of Walmart. And we're like, oh yeah, it's better. <laughs> Read it. It's like from a municipal, municipal source, okay? That means it came from the hose. And you're just like, oh, I'll pay $2 for that. It's a fancy bottle. Anyway, I do it too. What am I going to say? Um, <laughs> I do. The gold standard of psychology that has been incredibly effective is simply biblical wisdom. This is important that you understand this. Because when you look at the world and what they do, and you see the things, and, and you see something like, this thing really works. This method, or this thought process, or this whatever, what you're usually going to find, if it really is effective, is that when you break it down, it's because it's using biblical principles. That's the reason it's effective. So cognitive behavioral therapy is the gold standard. It's used by everybody, Christians, non-Christians, Muslims, it doesn't matter what you are. Cognitive behavioral therapy is effective. Why? Because it's completely based in biblical truth. Completely based in biblical truth. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity. Cognitive behavioral therapy is just taking thoughts captive. That's all it is. Taking thoughts captive, taking every thought captive, grabbing it, analyzing it, and asking yourself, is this true? Is this true? Because most of the things that cause you anxiety are lies. Most of the things that cause you fear, anxiety, depression are lies. Fear is usually a liar. Coming from the father of lies. That's what fear is usually based in. Those fears that keep you up at night and rack your brain and rack your mind with anxiety, those are lies. Almost without exception. The kind of thing that, that interferes with your life and locks you up and takes your joy from you, those are almost always lies. Almost always lies. In every case, if you ask yourself, what is true? You take that thought that's causing you difficulty and you say, what is true? What does scripture say? What does God say about me, about my future, about who I am, about who he is? And you answer those questions. By the time you're done answering those questions, that, that thing that seemed like this big thing that was keeping you from falling asleep you'll find it's nothing. There's nothing to it. You ever, y'all ever seen the movie, The Emperor's New Groove? Hey, right on. Emperor's New Groove. Cartoon. Great movie. Fantastic uh, movie if you like cartoons. Um, there's a guy, Cusco. Cusco's walking through the forest, and you know he's by himself, and it's at nighttime, and it's all super scary, and there's like so they're showing like a spider eating something or whatever. And he's like, oh, he's all scared. And then, he, you know, right here, there's a bush. And in the bush, he hears this, and he sees, and there's these eyes in the bush. You know how they do in the cartoons, and the eyes are in the bush. And he's freaking out, and it's like clear the thing's about to jump out. And the thing jumps out, and it's a squirrel. He's like, tick, 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 tick. you know, a little squirrel like that. The fact is, is that your anxiety is often like that. When it's in the bush... When, you, when, you've allowed, when you've allowed yourself to, to get worked up by it, it seems like a humongous fear. But by the time it gets out and you take that thought captive and you speak truth to it, you find out it's just a fuzzy little squirrel. Now, I'm really hoping that none of you have squirrel phobias because I've just made things so much worse. <laughs> oh, there's squirrels. Um, don't be afraid of squirrels. But don't touch them either. They're really dirty. Um, 
We need to live in the truth. We are believers in Jesus Christ. We're followers of Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ. We have the truth. He is the truth. We've got to live in the truth. And when we live in the truth, we can't be affected by lies. We can't be affected by lies. We have nothing to fear. Now, I'm not saying that difficult things don't happen. Don't hear me incorrectly. You'll never hear me say that. I'm not saying that difficult things don't happen or that they won't happen. We live in a fallen world, but God has promised us things, and that's the truth, and you can live in that. Philippians 4, 6 through 8, Holy Spirit through Paul writes this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, that shalom, that wholeness of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, brothers and sisters, listen to this. We all need a dose of this. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You want some cognitive behavioral therapy? You want some freedom? Listen. Listen to this. Do not be anxious. How? Well, let God know what you need. Let God know even what you want. And he tells you that if you do that, his peace will guard your heart and your mind beyond what you can even understand. That you won't have a mind that's racing and freaking and going, that you will be calm, peaceful, wholeness, shalom, beyond what you can understand. What do you do next? Easy, think about what's true. Think about what's pure and lovely and just and noble and of good report and praiseworthy and meditate on those things. If you meditate, on the difficult things, if you go home and all you can think about is, my kid's a mess, but I don't have enough money in the bank, I've got this, I've got that. Well, no wonder when you try to go to sleep at night, you're like, right? But if you come home and you're like, you know what, I have kids. That's amazing. What an amazing thing, right? I have food to eat. If you got more than another change of clothes besides the one you're wearing now, you're doing better than most of the world. You know that? Right? And most of you, you got a lot more than that. Some of you need to clean some things out. Right? Yes. You know who I'm talking to. All right. Some of your husbands maybe say that. All right. If you are in this room right now, it is very likely that you have more to be thankful than, than you could even count if I gave you all day to do it. You could focus and meditate on a million amazing things instead of racking your body and mind with the few things that you use to cause yourself anxiety, which really, if you looked at them, are probably just fluffy little squirrels. And yet that's where we live. And that's where we walk. And that's, we meditate on the lies that Satan tells us. And Satan tells our culture. We don't meditate on what's pure and awesome and of good report and just tell God what we need and trust him. You'll have peace in your heart and your mind that you can't even understand. Why can't you understand it? Because it doesn't make sense to you, right? It doesn't make sense to you. What, what happened? Peter's out there in the boat. Jesus is walking the water, and Peter's like, hey, um, I want to do that. Can I come walk on the water? And Jesus is like, yeah, man, come on. This is a paraphrase. I'm taking, so this is the message version of the Bible. Um, it's like, so Peter gets out of the thing and he starts, he's looking at Jesus and he's like, dude, this is awesome. I'm walking on the water. And then he looks at the waves, right? And what happens? His understanding kicks in. People don't walk on water. Waves and storms and whatever hurt people. Oops, Psh, he's sinking. As long as he was looking at Jesus, it was like, I know this guy. I know this guy can do whatever he wants. And I know what he's promised me, and I know that he loves me. And so when I'm looking right here, I'm just like, da-da-da, water. When I look at the water, I start leaning on what? My understanding. My understanding. People don't walk on water. Things are, they do when they're with Jesus. 
They do when they're with Jesus. The things that it seems like can't work out, won't work out, the difficulties, <coughs> the pain, wherever you are, right? It seems like it's the end. It couldn't get worse. It's whatever. But if your eyes are on Jesus, you can at least trust that, you can, that he can do anything. He can do anything, right? This is where the second weapon against lies and anxiety comes in. We touched on it last week quite a bit. Trust. Trust. Listen to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. You've probably heard this one before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much of your heart? All of your heart. All of your heart. Now, my wife is a math person, okay? She's a math teacher. She loves the maths. The maths are good, okay? I try to avoid math, all right? I try to avoid it if I can. It was not my favorite thing. At some point, I don't remember what grade it was, they started putting letters in there. And I'm like, I don't even think these are words. I don't know what's going on. It's hard enough to read them when they're in an English paper. Now you've got letters in this thing. What happened to just the number, the plus sign, the number, the line? Like this, pop, answer. When it was there, I was good, right? Go on to finger painting, good days. It was just like law school. But Tiffany loves the math. Now, if we were going to put this verse in a word problem, right? We want to look at it as a word problem and go like this. If I am trusting the Lord with all of my heart, how much heart do I have left to trust in myself or my boss or my bank account, or my spouse, or my looks. A real temptation for me. It's not. Answer, none. There's none left. None heart left, right? That's the maths. There's no heart left to trust in those things because all of your heart is trusting in God. If all of your heart is trusting in God, then none of your heart is trusting in anything else. Right? But we don't like that. We like to play this like chips at the roulette table, right? You got your stack of chips and it's like, I'll put a little something on eight, a little something between eight and nine on the line. I'm going to play red or black and then I might do odd. Y'all are looking at me like, I've never been to a casino. Okay, I'm the only one that's ever played roulette. Okay, whatever. It was a charity event. <laughs> David Robinson charity. Charity lost money, but anyway, all right. You don't want to blow the whole wad of chips on one number. You don't want to do that because we know the odds are low. Our understanding says spread that risk around a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. Why do we do that? Because we lean on our own understanding. What does our understanding say? Well, I think usually our understanding says something like this. I, I, I'm pretty sure I believe that God knows best. So I'm going to trust in the Lord with half my heart. The other half is probably going to be somewhere like the stock market, right, or, or in my job, or in, the, in my health, the doctors, whatever it is, these other things that I feel like if I let go of that, if I let go of trusting those things, something bad might happen, but I'll put some trust in God because he probably knows what's best, right? I'll put this much trust in God, but this much trust, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this much trust still in that bottle that I drink. I'm gonna keep this much trust still in that drug, in that relationship, in that addiction to pornography, in that whatever, right? Whatever it is, whatever is there that you're putting your trust in, you're replacing God with. Whether it's something, whether it's a sin, a besetting sin, and an addiction, or whether it's just as simple as knowing that you have X amount of money in the bank or you can't feel comfortable. Whatever that is, that's replacing God. That has become your functional savior. That has become the thing that you've truly looked to instead of God. If you're wondering, if you're wondering whether you do this, ask anyone close to you, what do I trust in? Better yet, pull out your ATM card and go get a printout of everything that you've spent money on in the last month. You might get a pretty good idea of what you trust in. This is true for all of us. And scripture's pushing back at us and saying, look, I know 
that your understanding says you need to spread risks. You need to make sure this and that and the other thing. But God doesn't operate according to our understanding. And it's pretty awesome and amazing that he does not, right? Because we don't understand very much. We don't know why dudes have nipples. Right? What are they for? I didn't think so. We don't even know that. We've been around a long time. We've got all these scientists. That's the question I want the answer to. What are these things? I get it for the ladies. But when my kids were hungry and when they were babies, I didn't have anything for them, okay? Uh, there was nothing there. People are like, this is so awkward. He's talking about, look, nipples, 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 nipples. You'll be okay. Gosh. Goodness gracious. Just chill out, people. It's just church. I, I did not expect as much like, oh, oh, a nipple. All right. I don't know how this is going to go over on the video that we use later, but okay. Um, you don't understand much. We don't understand much. God is saying, stop spreading your risk. Stop hedging your bets. He's not saying don't be wise, by the way. That's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where your trust is. I'm not talking about saying God's telling me to be wise and to put this much money in the stock market to do this. That. I'm not talking about that, like you should be concerned because you live a wise life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where's your trust? Where's the heart? Is it that thing that you're trusting in or God that you're trusting in? Where is it? Because if you want him to direct your path, you've got to trust him with all your heart. If you don't want to writhe in fear at night and be afraid of the dark because you're, it's going to be another sleepless night or another day that you don't want to face because you've got the anxiety or the depression or you feel like garbage, you've got to ask yourself, am I trusting the Lord with all my heart? With all my heart. Am I putting it all on God? He's saying, trust me fully and I will direct your paths. I will do what's best for you, and no, you will not understand it. We've heard two verses already. One saying, lean not on your own understanding. One saying, he'll give you a piece that passes understanding, meaning you're not going to understand it. His plan will not be something that you will understand or even agree with. But it will be good. It will be good in the end. He will do what's best for you. He's saying, look, my peace isn't understandable by people who don't even know what male nipples are for. <laughs> my peace is not understandable by people who don't know how to make a tree or create a universe. Go figure. He's got it a lot more figured out than we do. You remember when your kid was little, like, and they'd ask why all the time? Why? Ethan, it's time to go to bed. Why? Well, because... Your body needs sleep. Why? Well, because you're tired. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Why? Just go to sleep, right? I'm not saying that's how I reacted. If he says that, he probably just remembers it wrong. It's a tough night last night. Anyway. Eventually, you're saying, because I'm your dad, I don't have time to explain all of it to you right now. I don't have time for all of that. When your kid is running out into the street and there's a car coming, and you say, hey, get back here. If your kid turns around and goes, why? <laughs> and you have to take the time to explain that kid's in danger every second that he keeps asking why. I don't understand. You don't need to always understand. You just need to get your bottom out of the way of that car. Right? Because God can see the street and the road and the, and the world and the universe and he made it all and he knows and you don't. And there will be things that happen that crush you. It's going to happen. And you still have to trust him. You still have to trust him. And he'll still be there for you in that. He sees the whole thing. He's just like, listen, child, just trust just trust me. It's difficult. Trusting God doesn't, uh, doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. Trusting God with all your heart does not mean it's not going to hurt. So if you're hearing that from me, that's not what I'm telling you. 
I'm, I'm, helping, I'm giving you an answer to the anxiety, not an answer to the fallen world. You've got to live in that until God takes us away or we die, right? Until that redemption comes, you've got to live in the fallen world. Trusting God with all your heart is not an antidote to pain. This is what it is. It means you trust and believe that it will all be made new. You trust and believe that we'll all be redeemed and transformed. That's what it is. <clears throat> it's not anything more or less than that. But when you know it's out of your control and you know that the person who is in control has promised you that all things will work together for good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose, if you believe that and you trust in that, then even in the pain, you can have joy and you can have peace from anxiety and depression and fear. Okay? And I'm not saying it's magic. I'm not saying it's, it's easy. It's just going to happen super easily. It's work to trust God. If it was easy, he wouldn't have to write all these verses about it. We'd just do it. Throughout my bouts with anxiety, God has developed in me a real passion for the truth. Just truth in general. So I just love truth. I just think truth is just really pretty, pretty swell. It's pretty swell stuff. I really like it. And he's given me this kind of unswerving trust because I have to have it. Because of what I have to deal with with my own anxiety, I simply cannot live without speaking truth to lies and living in trust. And because I've had to do that because of my bouts with anxiety and, and the lies that fear has been in my life and, and the amount that I've had to trust God, the, Jesus Christ has become so precious to me. I've become so close to him because of that. Now I want that for you too. I want him to become precious to you like he is to me. I've had my trust in God built up time after time. If it wasn't anxiety, it was the fact that I ran a law office. I don't know how many of you have run a law office. Um, you look like good people, so probably none. Um, it's a lawyer joke. It wasn't that bad. Um, if you have to run a law office and you're running your own law office, what happens is, is that people come in and then, you know, you charge them too much. They pay that. You put it in the bank and you can pay your bills. But people have to come in, right? And so especially when you're paying big bills and you're doing whatever and that bank account starts to get low and maybe it's a slow week. Maybe it's the week after Christmas when no one's spending money. Everyone just spent too much money on their kids, right, or whatever. So they don't have any money, but you've got a bill to pay. If they don't walk in, you don't have money, right? It's not like the jobs that most people have where every two weeks or whatever, there's a paycheck that comes. It's not like that. So for many years, I had to live in a way where I had to trust God every day that he was going to send people in that were going to spend all this money on legal services. And if they didn't do it, we didn't have money to live. We'd go bankrupt. And that may seem like, well, yeah, but it usually works out. No, listen, there were times when they didn't come in, right? Now, if I had been a good lawyer, it might have worked out better, right? But... Or even just an honest one. No, um, no, that wasn't it. It's just, listen, there are, any business has its ups and downs, right? There were times where it was rough. And I just had to trust God. Like, okay, Ethan's going to want to eat something. I know that kid. It's like every day almost. <laughs> I have to feed him something. And so I just had to trust. And over the years, I was able to, through that, just build more and more trust until the time when God said, okay, now what you're going to do is you're going to take everything and you're going to go out to Camus and plant a church with no money, no promise of money, whatever, in order to make that step, which was not hard, by the way. Not as hard as you would think. It was easy because it was part of a whole thing of trust that God had built up in me, starting with intense and horrible anxiety. And then walking through, running my own business, and, and seeing God work in my family, and seeing all these things, and the trust just gets, it's like a muscle. It just gets bigger and bigger. Eventually, you start to look like me, you know, <laughs> in trust. That's a lot of laughing, guys. That's a lot. You, you trust in God. It gets easier. But let me tell you something. It hasn't always worked out the way I thought it would. It hasn't always worked out the way that I thought that God wanted it to work out. There have been times where I've been very disappointed in things that I thought that God wanted and I was trusting him for did not come through, did not happen. Once again, this is, I'm, not, I'm not giving you some lollipops and rainbow sermon here. 
there are difficult times. There have been times. Tiffany and I had to deal with something where we were completely disappointed. You know, this is probably four or five years ago where we really thought God was going to do something. Really thought. We were trusting him that he was doing this thing. We were putting our faith that he was doing this thing. But it was never what he was doing. It was what I thought he was doing. It's what I convinced myself that he was doing. And it didn't work that way. And I was disappointed. But I was not disappointed for long. Because God always had something more. And when I continued to trust him, he showed me that. Had that other thing happened that we thought and we trusted God for, I wouldn't be here right now. Right? We could all be sleeping. <laughs> Second Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We have been made, we who follow Christ have been made alive spiritually in him. We have his Holy Spirit, not a spirit of fear. Our flesh may be weak, but his spirit is strong. We can believe in truth. We can trust God, but not if we live in this flesh. Not if we, not if we sow to the flesh. We have to live in the spirit because we don't have a spirit of fear. God has had to pull me out of the pit of despair and fear many times. And it hasn't been through, through flesh that he's done. It's been through his spirit. Believe in the truth and the power of his Holy Spirit every time when I take my thoughts captive, I speak truth, and I trust God. When those things happen, God pulls me out every time. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When I do that, I'm good. And I know it seems trite, and like a lot of these are like the kind of Bible verses that you would put on a coffee mug, but there's a reason for that. You need them with your coffee half the time. Right? You need them to face today. You need to understand it. These are truths that you need to know. And I can tell you it's real. I can tell you that what it's done for me is real. The last point that I want to make has been life-giving to me as I've struggled for the last 20 years or whatever it has been with an anxiety disorder. Anxiety is a burden that not only can God heal you from, but he can also use your suffering for his glory. He can use your suffering for his glory. He can work through you, his child. He can work through me, through the things that we face. The Apostle Paul had a, told us about a thorn that he had in his flesh, right? He had a physical ailment. He had a problem. We don't know exactly what it was, okay? We don't know. But we know he suffered a physical condition. Holy Spirit inspires him to write in 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, this is verses 8 through 10. It says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul struggled with an infirmity. The infirmity reminded him that he was weak and it kept him humble. And because he stayed humble, he was able to be strong in Christ. But he had to stay humble for that to work. Martin Luther, the reformer, you probably have heard of him. John Bunyan, who wrote the book Pilgrim's Progress, one of the greatest Christian books ever written. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher. All of them, they suffered from either anxiety or depression, some kind of, from what we can tell, some kind of uh, uh, anxiety or, or depressive disorder. All those guys did. Okay? St. Teresa of Avila. Some of the... Some of the People who have done the most, who God has used the most powerfully, have had things to overcome. Physical ailments, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether they were missing a limb, whether they, were, whether they struggle with any number of things. And, and there's people in this room who struggle with different physical infirmities. And let me tell you something. Joni Erickson Tata, who's now, I think, in, in, has cancer and is, and is very sick, um, but, you know, she's paralyzed as a, as a young girl and has been incredible for the kingdom. There are so many people who God has used powerfully because they didn't have an ego. Because they recognized their own physical body, their own physical infirmities, helped them to recognize that they were weak and allow Christ to be strong in them. And through that, he was able to use them powerfully. If you're a little, little, little nuts... Little, you, got some, you got some crazy going on in your, in your house? You got some, some stuff, whatever? 
I know none of you, but if someone's listening, you know, maybe they do. You got difficulties, you got trouble, all the people that God has used to do amazing things have been like that. All the people, all the people that God uses to do amazing things have to start with the fact that they got some, some crazy, some difficulties, some pain, some whatever. It's very hard for him to use you to help heal others if you've never experienced pain yourself, right? I don't want you to suffer as I've suffered. I can tell you that. You know, it was bad. It has been bad. It still can be bad sometimes. I don't want that for you, but I would not trade my weakness for anything. I would not trade my weakness for the world, even with all the pain, because it's shown me, it's shown me, it's taught me that I can be strong in Christ. Nothing Nothing, nothing has brought me closer to my Savior and my friend, Jesus Christ, than the pain and the infirmity that I've struggled with anxiety and, and the difficulty that I've had with that. Nothing has brought me closer to the Lord. Nothing has brought me closer to my King than knowing that I needed him. I needed his faithfulness and my weakness. It's amazing when you can get to the place where you realize that you're weak, where Paul was with this thorn in the flesh. He's like, man, I'm weak. I can't do it. I need him. That's when you first start to realize, I don't have to measure up. I don't have to be somebody. It doesn't matter whether anybody else sees it or not. I'm a child of God, and I have eternal value. And in my weakness, he'll be strong. See, that's who you are. You're a child of God with eternal value. You don't need my approval or the approval of any other person. God has already told you who you are, and he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. You don't have to have the best stories at the party. You don't have to have the perfect life. You don't have to have the kids on the honor roll or the retirement account with whatever in it or the nice car or the impressive vocabulary or whatever it is. That's the vocabulary. Vocabulary. I can't even say the word. Okay, so obviously you don't have to do that. You're you. That's enough. For God, it's enough. In all your weakness, if you're surrendered to him and living in his strength, just be you. Don't let those fears come when you're, when you're rolling around at night. It's always, it's always this thing's going to happen, that thing's going to happen, whatever. It's always bringing it back on ourselves. Recognize what you can control and what you can't because there's very little that you can. Having an anxiety disorder has kept me humble because I know that without my Father God, His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit, I am useless. I would be on the floor crying in fear and pain. And you're like, well, that seems a little, you know, much. No, it's true. Been there. Been there. I know my weakness. I know my weakness. I am completely broken without Jesus Christ. It's the way it is. That may not be you. You may be like, well, it's not that bad for me. Well, good. I'm glad for you. It is that way for me. And God has done everything for me. Everything. He's given me the blessing and honor that he actually will work through me. Somebody as weak as me. Somebody that's as much of a joke as I am. And he's like, no, I'll, I'll use you. I'll use you. He'll do the same with you. And I've been able to help others who suffer with these kinds of issues. They get to know that I'm a real boy not some cookie cutter, some version of what a pastor is supposed to be. This perfect guy, never does anything that he shouldn't do. That's not me, and I rest in that, the fact that it's not me. Look, I've been to the valley of the shadow of death, and I've been to the mountain on the other side, and I can tell you that it's a long way down, and there's nothing like the blessing of knowing that that's where you would be if it was not for the fact that Jesus Christ carried you up here. There's so much in realizing that God is strong. Whenever I have to realize, rely on myself, that's when the anxiety comes. I can't do it. God did it, not me. I'm weak, he's strong. I don't have to be anyone but me, because he's got me. I get, used to be, I get to be used by God because I'm broken. And the more that I know I'm broken, the more that he's willing to use me. And the more that he's willing to use me, the closer I go to him in love. And the closer that I grow to him in love, the more he uses me even more. 
It's an amazing thing when you can get into it. Last Sunday, we talked about how children, kids, right, with their parents, they, they just kind of trust them, right? But here's the other thing about kids. You know that kids don't feel like they have to be awesome? Kids don't feel like they have to have all the skills and all the stuff in order to have value. Because most kids realize that the only real skills they have that they care about are when they can make mom or dad smile, laugh, whatever. And that all the stuff they have, mom and dad bought. There's no pride in it. They're not like, hey, have you checked out my, uh, my new toy over here? As if they like got a job and bought it, right? Like, yeah, I know, I bought that for you. I was there. I was the one who did it. You can't even see over the counter to buy the thing. I mean, come on. Right? Kids don't think that. They're like, all my stuff, my parents got for me. I live in their blessing. I trust in them. I'm weak. I'm little. They're strong. We talked about this some last week. That's where we have to be. And the more that we're that way, because that's not how we are, right? That's not how we roll. We think we got all our stuff. And when God wants a little piece of it, we're kind of like, ah, maybe I'll volunteer instead. Whatever. I don't want to get into a giving thing, but my point is, my point is, is that we rarely see all our stuff as something that, that our the Father gave us. We rarely see our skills as something that are best used to just honor God. Instead, we get stuck in this idea that we have to be awesome and amazing, and that drives so much of the anxiety that you experience, and it's a lie. You don't have to be amazing. You can live like a child in child life faith because the kingdom will be of these, of those who can be like a child, who can see God as their father. Not those who are trying to be somebody, those who know they are somebody because of God, because he loves you. Because he loves you, yes, you, every one of you. You need to rest in that because pressure for perfection is pointless and it's just going to cause you anxiety. Trying to measure up is misunderstanding how it works. There's nothing for you to measure up to. There's only one standard for you, and that's you, because you're the only one that's you. Your fears and your anxieties, they're going to come. But if you take your thoughts captive to the truth and you trust in him, God will work. He will work. He is working. He's working all things together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. If you believe that, if you trust him, if you let him use your weaknesses, if you, if you act like a child, you're dependent on your father for everything, you can rest. And you don't have to live in fear. And you won't, frankly. The more that you can live like this, the, the better you're going to sleep. The easiest for me is when I can go, okay. I can feel the anxiety coming. I can feel the stress coming. I can feel the difficulty coming. And when I can get my, my, when I can get my mind, when I can take that thought captive, when I can get my mind in that place where it's like, God, there's nothing I can do. It's got to be you. That's when I'm out, like a light, sleeping like a baby. Because that's what I am in that moment, his child. The more that I can live as his child, the less that I live in anxiety. Now, let me tell you one more thing before we close. It does not mean it's going to be easy, and it does not mean it's going to happen immediately. These are disciplines. Trusting in God with all your heart is a discipline, okay? Bringing your needs and your desires to him is a discipline. Meditating on the good is a discipline. It will take time. You may go home and be like, well, but I'm still feeling, I listened to the sermon, I'm still feeling anxiety. A, listen to it again, okay? Because sometimes we need to hear these things over and over again. And B, wait on the Lord and courage. Wait on the Lord and courage. He will come through on this. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. There may, there may be some of that. There may be some waiting. I want to prepare you as best I can. Trust truth and recognize the glory that comes from your brokenness. For those of you who don't suffer with anxiety issues, for those of you who don't even know what I'm talking about, you're like, I've never been worried about anything. You should probably worry about something if that's the case. I mean, there's got to be something worth worrying about, right? But if, you, if you've never had to deal with it at all, recognize that your spouse or your child or your brother or your sister or your friend or some person sitting within a couple seats of you here has and does struggle with this type of thing. 
and the more that you can be the person to say, rest in truth. Not, why are you feeling scared? You shouldn't. You should just be whatever. That doesn't work, okay? That's like the worst thing you can do. Just help people to concentrate on what's good. Help people to be able to trust in God. Speak the promises of God over your brothers and sisters who need your help. And don't be afraid for those of you who suffer to reach out. Whether you reach out to me, one of the other elders, one of our deacons, one of the ministry leaders, somebody just next to you, somebody in your life group, don't suffer with things like anxiety and depression by yourself. That is the worst possible scenario. That's that divide and conquer stuff. That's that Satan getting you by yourself and just hammering you with lies and that you're believing them and you're just, and you're just reveling in it and you, and you can't get out of it. And what, you break the silence on that and have somebody else, let somebody else into that, they're the one who's going to help you see that they're little fuzzy squirrels and not big lions. You need that. So please do that. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're kind of like, okay, this is all kind of Christian-y. What if I want help from anxiety and, and depression, but I don't really want Jesus? If you don't have Jesus, you should have anxiety. I, I mean, I'm being serious. You should be anxious because you're not in him and you, were, and you were designed to be in him. Now, I'm not wishing on you anxiety, but frankly, these methods work the best in the context of Scripture, in the context of those who are following Christ. So, if you don't know him and you want to know him, you want to walk with Jesus Christ, you want to have the Holy Spirit, you want to not have a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind, you want that today and you don't know him and you've never given your life to him and you've never said, no, I'm submitted to Jesus Christ. I believe he died for my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm weak, but he'll take care of that. He's forgiven that on the cross and I believe he rose from the dead. And I want to walk with him and I want to know him. Today's the day for you. Today's the day for you. Today's the day of salvation for you. You can be transformed. That's great news. This is great news. Otherwise, we were separated from God and in anxiety forever. But we don't have to be. We can have a spirit that's not a fear. So if you don't know Jesus, today's the day. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, it really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or through SoundCloud so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.